Hey guys, and welcome to or back to the Pause in Pursuit podcast with your host, Summer Clark. Now, I'm just going to dive straight into it because you've all been waiting for this episode and it is my most highly requested episode and that is on how to build confidence in a nervous agility dog. Now, most of you probably already know um, what I've been through with Arrow. Um, He was a lockdown puppy, so he didn't get any of the socialisation that he should have. Um, We did have people to the house, but, you know, it's not quite the same as as going out and about. So when he did eventually go out and about, he was extremely nervous. Um, He missed a lot of, like, you know, training days I would have done with him, puppy training days, you know, just going out and and seeing the world, basically, and and getting that initial puppy training in that they all need. So that socialisation window was just... I did as much as I can, but, you know, there's nothing else I could have done about it. So, unfortunately, he was an extremely nervous dog. Um, you probably all saw the video of him last June where, no, not last June, the June before, we're in 2023 summer, okay, right, sorry about that, so yeah, we're in 2023, so technically two years ago, but yeah, not last June, the June before, um, he was walking around the course, um, he, like, proper walking with his nose to the floor, you know, his ears back, he looked so scared, you know, I felt awful for even making him do agility, it was just not very nice, um, I didn't think he'd ever really, I just didn't think he'd be an agility dog, to be honest, I thought, you know, we're gonna have to find something else, you know, it's, or, because obviously he's a working breed, like, I I have to work him, I can't just, he can't just be a pet, um, you know, not doing, not doing any work, because he is a working breed, and he is a very highly strung dog, with a lot of energy, so, you know, I just thought, you know, it's not for him, it's not gonna happen, um, I was very upset about it, because obviously, I got him with the idea of doing agility in mind, um, Obviously, if agility isn't suited to a dog or vice versa, then that just is what it is. You can find something else, you know, but I had my hopes set on agility with Arrow, um, especially considering Ethel was nearing retire. Oh, well, I knew Ethel would be retiring um, around the time I brought Arrow out. So obviously I was like, well, I'm just not going to be able to do agility, you know, if I don't have an agility dog, um, you know, and all these thoughts were going through my head. Um, and since that day, I've learned, well, that time, that period of, of life, um, I've learned so much about how to build the confidence in a nervous dog, um, that I would like to share with you. As I know, a lot of you, you've got in touch saying that you are in similar positions where you also have really nervous dogs. Um, and before I begin, I just want to tell you that it is, it will be fine. Like you can work through it. Um, you know, and if, and if, agility isn't for you you and your dog then there's there's always going to be something else out there that you can do but these tips work for me I have 10 tips for you um they all turned Arrow into the confident speedy shouty little agility dog he is today so yeah I hope these help you guys so we're just going to jump straight into it so the first one I want to share with you is repetition now Part of this tip does sound a little bit brutal because it's kind of like just you have to make the dog work through it. So making your dog work through the nerves will eventually teach them that nothing bad happens during agility. So it's a bit like ourselves. Like if, say, presentations in school, I hate. I hated presentations in school. I could not stand them. They made me so nervous. I was stood up there sweating, bright red, looked to state. People were like, are you going to like pass out? You look horrendous. And I was like, no, I'm just terrified. Um which again, I'm totally fine doing that. I'd be totally fine doing that, doing that now. And that is because we didn't have a choice. You know, we had to do it to pass our, you know, to pass the the lessons and, you know, pass GCSEs and all sorts. I even had to do one in Spanish. Um, But the moral of that story is that I 
could not stand these things at the start. I was fumbling on my words. I was so nervous. You know, it just wasn't for me. But then because I had no choice but to just keep doing it over and over again throughout my, you know, school life, I'm fine with it now. You know, and it got to like year 11 and I was like, oh, I could do this all day. I could stand up here and talk to everyone because I've done it that many times that I know exactly what I'm doing. So, you know, it's kind of that principle. So you have to just keep going. Like, don't give up. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Be patient. You know, one day it'll just click, um, you know, or it did with Arrow. And I know a lot of other dogs in, in Arrow's situation, you know, their handlers I've spoken to who relate. Um, so, I again, I think it's a more common issue than a lot of people think. So don't feel like, oh, it's just you and your dog. You know why? Blah, blah, blah. It's not. It's a, It's actually a lot of dogs, and as you probably know, spaniels can be a very sensitive breed. Um, I've heard that boys are especially sensitive. Um, obviously, I've got Earl and Ethel, my terriers, and Earl is definitely the sensitive one. Ethel has not a sensitive. Well, I don't think a sensitive bone in her body. She's a feisty little ferret. Nothing faces her. Um, so from my experience, boys are also more sensitive. And again, I've spoken to people who agree. Again, disclaimer: it's not the same for everyone. Breeds, sexes, genders, whatever they're the same thing I don't know why I just said that twice um but yeah so just repeat 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 um you know keep going to your training sessions keep going to your shows keep making your dog do the agility work through it be positive and eventually you know they'll realize oh you know this is actually quite fun my handler makes it fun nothing bad ever happens to me when I'm doing agility so there's absolutely nothing to keep being nervous about because it's the same every time and it's always a positive experience. And to learn that fact in your dog's brain, all they need to do is just do it for a certain period of time. And it's different for every dog. So just keep going until it clicks. And it will, because like I said, it's the same for humans. Repetition means experience. And to be honest, the repetition will build experience, which is eventually what allows the dog to overcome their nerves. You know what? Do you know what I mean? Repetition builds experience and experience you know, even me with the podcast on my first episode, I was not like, you know, I feel so confident now. It doesn't phase me like staring directly into the camera. It was a bit weird to start with. Now it feels natural. And I've only done like eight episodes. But the point is repetition. Just it builds confidence in whatever you do. As long as you keep trying, you know, just just push through the nerves and they won't last. So that is my tip number one. So tip number two is generalisation. Now, this is something I studied quite a bit at uni when I did my canine behaviour and training degree, and it goes for everything, not just agility. So generalisation is exposing your dog to different environments to do a certain behaviour. So instead of just asking for a behaviour in, say, your bedroom, you would do the same behaviour in your garden as well. And you will probably find that the behaviour is nowhere near as good or solid as it is in your bedroom when you move out into the garden because there's more distractions, it smells different and etc etc. You know, birds, different sounds, the wind, you know, everything like that, the wet grass, just it's never going to be the same in a different environment. So generalization refers to making your dog do a behaviour in lots and lots of different environments. Um and a very a well generalized dog, you know, to generalize a behaviour in your dog your dog pretty much needs to be solid at the behaviour no matter where you are environment-wise. So that is generalisation. So this it's just literally exposing your dog to different environments such as different show and training venues. So I have a few appointments coming up um, at Dog Sports Derby uh, where I'm going to take Arrow and train him there because it's a different environment. You know, he doesn't usually train there. He doesn't usually train on the AstroTurf. 
um, all these things. And yeah, so basically just take your dog to lots of different places. When you're booking shows, don't just purposely just do the, like, for example, I do Agility Nuts, which is at Arena UK, and that's, like, every month throughout the winter. Don't just be like, oh, I'm only going to do Agility Nuts because it's at the same venue. Don't do do not do that. Do them, but also do a different show at a different venue. Uh, like, say, I've got an Inspire coming up at a completely different place, Iconic, different venue altogether, you know, and I know often it, it depends on, you know, how far you have to travel, but just try and think, even if you have to travel a couple of hours, if you can for a different venue, it's so worth it. Because, you know, it. even if you travelled two hours to run your dog once at a completely new venue and then came over again, that that experience is more valuable than you think to your dog because you've, you've just generalised a behaviour, you know, or started working towards getting agility generalised, which is huge for confidence. So that is generalisation. So, yeah, doing this... Um, it really boosts a dog's confidence and improves their ability to ability to perform to the same standard across all events. So that's another thing, not just being able to perform it, but being able to perform it just as well, no matter where you are. So this is extremely helpful, especially if you want to say, you know, go to Crufts one day. That is a totally new environment. If you want your dog to do well in the main ring or any ring at Crufts with the crowd and everything like that as well, um, your dog needs to be able to do agility to the same standard anywhere it they just have to learn that it's about you and the course and the dog and that is it so that is how you can generalize agility and that will really help the dog's confidence um and their ability in themselves to you know think i can do this court you know i can do this agility it's just agility and not think about where it is it's just agility and the handler and the dog so Tip number three, motivational push. Now, I love this tip. This is probably my favorite tip in all of the tips. So um, motivational push includes handling, positioning and vocalization of the handler. So again, this is all about the handler and not so much the dog. Um, you will probably find that a lot of these things are very handler based. Um, you know, it's not all about and that's something I'd like to sort of focus on in this podcast and across my platforms is that it's not just you know dog training isn't just getting a treat and training a dog to do something like it's mindset it's fitness it's so many other things and that is what I really like to delve into because I think it's overlooked a lot by people um who do dog sports um but yeah so for motivational push you should position yourself slightly ahead of the dog but not too far ahead of the dog that they deem you unreachable if that makes sense so for example, with Ethel, if you've seen my runs with Ethel, either in person or on my platforms, um, you will see that I run her kind of, well, uh, very differently to Arrow. Uh, but I have stopped, you know, I do incorporate motivational push into Arrow's um, runs, especially from an unconfident background. But for Ethel, um, I, I would run her sort of, I'd just be slightly ahead of her at all times. Um, and this is because for a dog that's sort of less motivated, well, not less motivated, steadier, and you want to increase speed, which is the same principle for, you know, getting a confident dog to really, uh, an unconfident dog to really come out of its shell. Uh, so with Ethel, I would do that. And that just, you kind of have to act as the law. So um, pretend you are the law and you have to, the dog has to think that they can reach you to motivate them to chase you. But 
you also have to stay out of reach for the whole course, if that makes sense. So, yeah, you need to act as a law and you want to be achievable. You want to be an achievable challenge that your dog is trying to catch. That is the name of the game. So make that the name of the game in agility. So that is sort of your positioning on uh, when you're running your dog slightly ahead, but not too far ahead that it's like silly and your dog will think, oh, what's the point? I can't catch up with her anyway. Uh, so you kind of want to be a bit of a tease almost. So handling, uh, you could try handling at your dog's level. So obviously you can't do this while you're running because you will literally probably break your back, um, especially with a small dog when you're running like straight. But what I did with Ethel, and I still do with Arrow to be fair, if I can, get, if I'm there, is um, like when you're cueing a wing wrap or a backside, get right down in front of your dog's to your dog's level in front of your dog's face in its direct eye line so that um you know it kind of it just spurs your dog on more so get right down push your dog around the jump you know ex exaggerate every movement that you make while um while you're you know positioned slightly ahead uh, so that really helps so you want to bend down and position yourself in the direct direct eye line especially Hang on, especially when queuing wing wraps, backsides and weaves. I know I keep looking at my show notes, but I find it so useful to write down everything that I have before I actually do the podcast because I really don't want to miss anything. Uh, so I took like an hour earlier to write everything down that I've used for Arrow um, and even Ethel over my agility career. And I just really don't want to miss anything. So I've written everything down. So I'm going to recite it just to make sure that I haven't missed anything off. Um, so yeah, weaves, you've definitely seen me do that with arrow. So I'll go weave, weave, weave. Once he's in the entry, I, I probably look and sound ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, super weavies, go on like that, aren't I? You like most people will probably have noticed that. I even had one person on an anonymous Q&A, not the last one I did. I think it was like a few years ago or something. And they were like, you have an annoying voice. And I was like, what? And then I listened to my video back and I was like, oh yeah, no, I do sound quite annoying. I'm like, weavies but it works. So, you know, hate on me as much as you want for my voice, but it works so well. Like it, <laughs> Arrow now shouts through his weaves because I'm there going weavies. So yeah, do that. <laughs> I really recommend. So that brings us, uh, that segues us nicely into vocalization of the handler, which is part of motivational push. So speak to your dog in an upbeat, excitable tone the entire way around the course. So with Arrow, I kind of don't need to do this as much anymore because he's already so driven. But, you know, with a steadier dog who's less motivated and nervous, like Arrow in the start and Ethel, because she doesn't, she was never that much of a, she was never that fast, you know. Um, she had the mindset, but she just, I always had to be thinking speed, speed, speed with her to be competitive. Um, so I would literally barely breathe. Like I would barely take a breath during Ethel's runs. I was constantly talking to her because I noticed that if I stopped talking to her, even for a split second, she would, uh, she, you could see her go, and it, it, you know, she'd think of it as, it wouldn't be as fun for it. Like it, the challenge goes, the excitement goes, you want them to be wired um, and your dog feeds off your energy. So you want to be that high energy, you know, big on your movements, really excitable in your tone. And you just want to be like a big ball of energy and your dog will feed off of that. And your dog will also pick up that good energy. Um, so yeah, that is motivational push and I absolutely love that. Um, but yeah, the vocal encouragement will reassure your dog and make agility feel like a fun game. And that is what it is. Make it a game. The more you, you and your dog are having a good time, the better the run goes. Like it's just a fact. Like pfft, every single run, if I'm in a good headspace, Arrow's going to be in a good headspace and the run goes better. 
and even if it doesn't then i deal with it better because i'm in a good headspace anyway so it all just it all just comes down to to a lot about the handler so number four and this is really important it is start small and take baby steps so i know we're secretly all in a rush to get to where we want to be in agility um you know compete um get to all the big events qualify for this qualify for that go up the grades blah 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 you know with success comes opportunity so obviously we all want to get there as quick as possible humans are impatient but with a nervous dog you have to be so patient so yeah um baby steps don't rush your dog as this will knock any confidence that they have built so if you do build confidence in your dog which you will you don't then want to get ahead of yourself and get too confident and be like oh now i can just go straight into this because there's a glimmer of confidence no keep keep it just, just i know you i know it's very exciting when this happens but we need to keep that very steady level of improvement um and, and until it it properly clicks and even then don't if you see it click like i did with arrow don't do too much too soon as soon as that happens because it's still a very new feeling for your dog to feel confident so you need to keep doing what you've been doing to build the confidence you just need to keep that going um so start in familiar environments and then venture elsewhere so that's back to our generalization start in your in your hat you know bedroom with tricks and then garden with like one jump exercises and stuff like that then go to a uh, training and keep it like that for a while and then go to you know build it up slowly don't just think right i've got five different uh, seven different venues this week one one different venue a day and it's going to make my dog so confident you've got to do it gradually so maybe one new venue every two weeks for agility do you know what i mean and this it it's a bit different with socialization as puppies because you know you can carry them around you can go to different places every day for that window but with agility because it's such a thinky thing to do and a lot of our nervous dogs do overthink everything that they're doing um you just want to sort of take it steady and build up gradually so that is really important um and as well as environments um you can start with one piece of equipment and then a sequence and then a course so you know don't just ask your dog to do a full course and not get rewarded until the very end of the course you want to start with like one jump just one set of weaves stuff like that like when arrow's weaves were really really steady and he hated them like mad um i literally had like a wing into the weaves reward for so long until his confidence was up in the weaves and then once he'd got his confidence in the weaves it was jump weaves jump tunnel for for example and then that built gradually into a full course at training and then at competition so as you can see it's these baby steps um and then you can start with a five minute session and then build up to 10 then 15 you know until you can go to a training day that's a couple of hours obviously you'll have breaks and stuff but um it's still your dog's still in that environment for the amount of time so yeah start just start small and um you know i don't want to say quit while you're ahead because i don't like the word quit but you know if you when you're starting out if you've had a brilliant five minute session with your dog and it and they're engaging really well and seem confident just stop there that's brilliant that's fine go and enjoy the rest of your day and do it again tomorrow like if you keep going for too long if you get too excited and think oh i can get more out of him more out of him then he could get on board of this now and then you've ended on a on a negative note because you know you can't bring that back then you have to just wait till the next day so you may as well you know do your five it's quality not quantity basically is what i'm saying do your five minute session of confidence and then stop brilliant you that's great and then the next week do 
maybe 10 minutes. Do you get what I mean? So yeah, that is tip number four. Now, number five, um, socialization. So this is kind of what I started talking about um, a few minutes ago. So build your dog's confidence outside of agility and it will show within agility. So this is really important. Um, it's not all about agility, you know, um, take them to new places, introduce them to new people and show them as much as of the world as possible. And pretend they're a puppy again. So literally pretend that you've just got your new puppy and it's the time for the socialization window. And I kind of hate that because it's like, well, the social socialization is for life. Like there's always there's always um, benefits of taking your dog to new places and increasing their confidence. But, you know, they talk about the socialization window and it's especially important when they're at that young age. So pretend that's that. Pretend you've got to socialize your new puppy, even if your dog's like five, just just go out and socialize. Um, their confidence in agility will improve if they are used to regular stimulation. So, you know, if they're used to having to, uh, look around, smell new things, see new sights, you know, uh, interact with new people, uh, all these things, if they're used to regular new stimulus, agility will just be another one of those stimulus, if you get what I mean. Um, so it won't just be like, oh, they're always in the house or the garden and then the only thing they ever go out to do in an unfamiliar environment is agility. They're obviously not going to enjoy agility because it's this big, scary thing. But if you take them to lots of different places to do lots of different activities, you know, new walk venues, stuff like that. Um, garden centres is a good one. Uh, the other week, uh, training wasn't on because my trainer was away. And so instead, I took Arrow to my local garden centre and we just walked around for half an hour. And you could see his little face. He was like, oh my God, this is like crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like he's been there before, but not not since he was a puppy, I'd say. So that was cool to see, you know, how he still reacts, but in such a more, in such a confident way. But, you know, it's still him going, oh, you know, taking in all the, the newness of, of a situation which will help when I take him to a new venue to do agility because he'll be like, oh, it's just a new venue. We always go to new venues and it's always fine. And I just have to do agility. Like the agility shouldn't be the thing that scares them, if that makes sense. Like they should get used to new environments and then having to do agility in one of those new environments isn't as scary. So we're halfway through now. So number six, be careful with your corrections. So for example, a missed dog walk contact. Now, this is quite a big one that I had to learn almost the hard way because, for example, with Arrow's running dog walk contact, um, I've been training him a running dog walk for his entire life um, and he's pretty... I, I don't want to jinx it, but I think he's cracked it. Like, his dog walk contacts are brilliant at the moment. He's still a little bit high and there's still some extension to do on that down plank, but for the most part, I'm so happy with where he is. Uh, you know, there's always improvement, but he is absolutely smashing it. Um, but at the start, if he would miss the dog walk contact, I would correct, you know, just say, oops, you know, nope, come on back on and then redo it. Um, but I noticed through doing that, he, nothing really happened. Like he didn't gain confidence or accuracy in what he was doing. You know, his understanding didn't improve that much. And it was because the correction, because he was already nervous and unconfident, me correcting him made him go, oh God, I've done something wrong. And that just knocked that just knocked him down completely. Um, so I stopped doing that and I just, you know, if he, as long as he ran across the dog walk, yes, amazing, he gets his reward. You know, even if he, it wasn't a very deep hit or if he didn't, you know, if he didn't get it at all, if he ran across it, he got the toy. 
And now, and then once he'd got his confidence and he was running full pelt across it, then I could bring in the, you know, if he doesn't get the contact, oops, back on you go. But he, he already had the foundation of the confidence there to, for that not to affect him when I did correct him, if that makes sense. Uh, so that is a big one. Just when you're working on confidence, work on confidence and, you know, just don't worry about too many things at once just focus you know the goal of the training session is to get your dog confident don't be like being like oh no every time they do you know if they do something wrong just try just be like yeah come on then you know sort of encourage um and you should see results from that definitely so i'm so yeah if your dog is nervous correcting them is likely to knock their confidence further as they will become aware that they've made a mistake this is likely to cause them to overthink what they are doing which we don't want yeah so overthinking arrow has always been an overthinker and the more he overthinks it the you know the more nervous he gets because he's like oh my god yes this is actually really scary so we don't want our dogs to overthink when they're not confident so we just want them to be going 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 having a blast just thinking about how fun it is not thinking about like whether they're doing something right or not in the beginning so spend time rewarding any and all interactions with agility and then gently correct mistakes when confidence is gained so yeah that's super important just if your dog is interacting with agility, he's done it right. Do you get what I mean? Like he's won. Give him, the, give him the reward. And then as your dog gets confident, then you can you can start to um you know get the thinking back get get the thinking going again. Um you know getting your dog to understand when he's done things wrong and what he has to do and stuff like that. But it's it it has to it has to be in that order. I'm afraid when uh, we have a nervous dog, but it will pay off. So number seven is find out what makes your dog tick food, ball, tuggy. So there's so many options. There are so many options for um, Earl and Ethel. This was food, Ethel, baby bell. I probably am known with Ethel for cheese, <laughs> to be honest. Like I, she would only work for cheese. Like she, she probably would work for other food, but like a kibble, but she'd be so much slower, like cheese or like meat or sausage or something like that really high value food that is what made Ethel tick so that is what I used to motivate her and get her wired and in the headspace for agility because she wants to work for that reward arrow it's a ball I tried for so long again I tried for so long to get him to tug because I saw all these people and top handlers tugging with their dogs after a run um and I was like well that's what top handlers do they tug with their dogs it's that's not the point like that's not what makes a top handler what makes the top handler is that they've discovered that their dog really values a tug over everything else. With Arrow, I found out that, you know, again, through trial and error, that he valued his ball over everything. And it makes sense because his mum is the same. His mum is obsessed with the ball, Kima. Um, but, yeah, so I found out that Arrow values his ball over anything. He would do anything for it. Bringing his favourite thing ever into something he's nervous of, it suddenly it suddenly makes that thing better because it's like oh now there's this brilliant thing that I get to play with while I'm doing agility so again it's just a positive association with agility so yeah find something that your dog values the most and this will encourage them to push through the nerves in order to earn it so again it stops overthinking suddenly all they're thinking about is oh, if I do a bit of agility or interact around agility equipment I get my favorite thing in the world and that's their focus so it kind of takes their mind off their nerves so it prevents overthinking and provides something that takes your dog's mind off their emotions. And that sounds really deep, but dog, you know, it's all emotional. It's all emotional. Everything in life is emotional. It's all in the head. Um, and 
when our dogs are nervous, that is what's going on. There's too much negative emotion going on. So bringing their favorite reward in will help with that. So number eight is work on the bond and trust between you and your dog. So this is just the foundation of everything you do with your dog. Um, the better the relationship between you both, the more your dog will trust you to keep them safe in the ring. So again, this is just about spending quality time with your dog. Uh, this can be in any form, such as teaching them new tricks, enjoying cuddles at home on the sofa in the evening and going on new walks, you know, just having long walks with them, throwing the ball, just talking to him. You know, I literally have conversations with Arrow in the house and he loves it. He's just stood there wagging. Like, it's great. And it's just all those things that just build that bond between you and your dog and the connection you share. The stronger that connection is, the more, you know, if you take your dog into a situation, they're going to think, I can trust I can trust this human. This is my human. You know, this human has only ever provided me fun and happiness. So wherever I am with my person, I am safe. So they are less likely to feel nervous. Uh, that is really important. Uh, when Arrow was a puppy... I literally spent the first few months of his life sat on the kitchen floor, cuddling him <laughs> um, and just interacting with him, building that strong foundation. Um, and then when we started agility, you know, I just kept I just kept that going. You know, obviously he was nervous. So I just did what I do anyway at home and, you know, do tr little tricks with him, try new things with him and everything I could to really just build his trust in me. Um, so that when I'm directing him around a course and taking him to new scary places, he feels safe because he's with me. And, you know, like it's like a child again, or, you know, us when we were younger. Um, if we go somewhere with our parents, you know, we trust our parents. Um, our par We know our parents love us and have our best interests at heart. You know, they take us to fun places, etc. So if they take us to a new place that's really scary, yeah, we're probably going to cling on to their hand and be like, oh my God, I'm scared. But they're going to be so much less scared if they're with that parent than imagine if they were just there on their own, they wouldn't cope. Or if they were there with their auntie who they'd seen like five times in their life, if that makes sense. Like you, your dog has to value you so much that they feel safe. So yeah, that's a brilliant comparison. A young child is in a new scary place with their auntie who they don't know very well. They're going to feel so much worse than if they were there with their mum who they see every day. And you get what I mean? So it's, it's definitely that principle. So number nine is avoid training or competing if you are in an especially poor headspace. So this is something that is more common than we think, um, especially if, you know, I have viewers that are around my age or, you know, teenagers, whatever. Um, obviously, I'm 21 now, but going through school and uni, you know, I'd be stressed out about exams, coursework, you know, figuring my life out, the future, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I was just in a really stressed out headspace, you know, if I had a week of exams or or whatever. And I just oh, clearly wasn't in the headspace to train, but I'd train anyway because I'm that character. You know, I'm like, I am very determined character. I'm very persistent. You know, I, if I want something, I will do, I will work my arse off to get it. Um, So I would train anyway, even if I wasn't feeling it which is great because it's discipline, like, you know, discipline over motivation with the gym and stuff like that. But when your nervous dog is involved, you don't want to take your nervous dog into a situation where you are fe you have a black cloud over your head because then, you're, you know, your dog then can't look to you and feed off your, your energy because it's not there and they're going to feed off your energy. But in the worst way, they're going to feed off your negative energy. Um, so 
just to, I know it's hard because sometimes you think, well, summer, I'm always in a poor headspace at the moment because I'm going through this or I'm in, in uni or blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, you know, but, and this comes on to our last point, which is take breaks, but we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, just, or even if you want to train in the morning, if you normally train in the morning and I'm very OCD in the, in, and, you know, I love a routine. I have a very, I have a routine in the morning that takes me to lunchtime every day at the moment. Again, that'll change as my life changes. But, you know, I'm very set in that routine. It's comfortable. It's, you know, it's just what I know. I'm a very routine person. Uh, but if I, say, wanted to train Arrow at 11 or whatever, like normal, and but I would had just had a really bad gym session and was just fuming for whatever reason or just, you know, had a really bad drive home, got stuck in traffic, was just pent up, then... It's probably a good idea that I don't force on with that training session at 11 and that I calm myself down, wait like even half the day and train at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Do you get what I mean? When I'm in a good headspace again, it's so worth it. It's so worth it because that's going to be so much more productive in building your dog's confidence and learning new things for your dog. You know, even if you don't have a nervous dog, that's just you should do that. I think you should do that anyway, uh, because our dogs are so, you know, tuned into us and sensitive Um so yeah, that is, I'd say that is an extremely important point as well. So yeah, if you're in an especially poor headspace, this might cause you to react to mistakes in a more prominent manner than if you were feeling positive. So yeah, um, you know, when we're in a really bad mood for whatever reason, um, something's happened and something goes wrong, like a tiny inconvenience happens that normally we'd be like, oh, it's fine, we'll sort that out, it's fine, nothing, no big deal. When we're already in that bad headspace, pff, end of the world fits the tears, can't, can't stand it, I'm going to bed, day, day, day's over, do you know what I mean, like, we react so much worse when we're already in that poor headspace, um, so, you know, if you take your dog out when you're in that headspace, and it doesn't go to plan, you are, you, you, you might snap accidentally, and, oh, that's your dog's not, that's your dog's confidence knocked, you know, um, so it is as, it is as simple as that, so just be, and I know it probably sounds like I'm overcomplicating it, you know, like, you're probably thinking summer, just, just, just go out and train your dog, blah, 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 but it does, it is worth thinking about and just listen to your gut. If you don't, if you can, you know, we know when we're not in a good headspace, don't train then, sort yourself out and then train, you know. Um, so you want to minimise any negative experiences your dog has around agility so that they associate agility with only positive ones. So think of it like this. If you skip a training session when you're in a bad headspace, that's productive. You have taken away a potentially negative experience from your dog. So your dog's confidence has not, it, it's still here. It's not going to go from here to here. It's not going to go from here to here, probably, but it's also not going to go from, you know, you, it's better to stay here than go down by doing that training session that you probably shouldn't do, if that makes sense. So I think that is a super important point. And then the very last point, number 10, kind of ties into that, which is take breaks when needed. Now, this is something I find hard. I still find hard, I always have found hard, and I probably always will find hard, but I've also learned that, you know, I need to, I, I just need to get it in my head that this is what I have to do, I need to go, I know you want to push forward summer, but sometimes just take a step back, and less is more, and that is the best thing you can do. So don't be afraid to have a day, week, or two weeks, or more, off from agility if you feel that you or your dog needs it. 
So maybe you have a stressful week of exams, like I said earlier, or your dog hasn't been responding well to training for a few days. You know, sometimes we can just get in a rut um, and our dogs can as well. So take a break, avoid any more negative sessions and then return to training with a clear head and, a, and restored motivation. So sometimes breaks do us wonders. So if there's any other gym freaks watching right now like me, you probably know that if you can't work out for a week, for example, you all you want to do that week is work out. And then you go back on Monday and you're like so ready, like, yeah, I'm back. You know, if you'd just done it the day before, it wouldn't be that same kind of excitement. Um, and then you have so much more energy and strength in your session because not only have you physically rested, but you've mentally rested and you just want to get back to doing what you love. So that is a reason why taking a break can really help. Um, but a few times, um, you probably remember Arrow, um, he ripped a toenail off and he fractured his tooth at one point. Um, and we had to have a, quite an extended break from agility. And as awful as that was, and I wouldn't wish that upon anyone, sometimes choosing to have a break, not that, not to that extent, but like a week, can really help. And Arrow came back fine like having such a long break I think it was a few like a couple of months it didn't really affect him like yes we didn't make progress but it didn't like do any damage do you know what I mean like he came back actually I think more and we and me as well we came back more excited about agility again and you know with a renewed sense of motivation um so I think that is something that we probably don't think about much but I think is rather important Again, with the exam side of things, you know, a lot, I know a lot of you are quite young. So and this goes back to my episode about um, balancing life and agility, you know, not putting too much pressure on it. The more pressure you put on yourself and your dog, the less confident your dog's going to be. If you're more lighthearted about it, especially whilst your dog's having these nervous issues um, and you purely just focus on making it fun, um, then your dog is going to respond so much better. Um, again, I'm very competitive and I, you know, that's just me as a person, but the most valuable thing I did for Arrow's nerves and confidence is to, you know, removing his nerves is to just take the pressure off and make it fun and be positive. Uh, so that's huge again with the motivational push that ties in. So they all kind of tie into each other. Um, and just another thing before we end the podcast episode that I forgot to mention, um, at the time was I spoke about uh, vocalisation um, as a handler with your dog around the course. Um, and that can be quite tricky fitness-wise. So if you have to speak to your dog constantly for 30 seconds while sprinting, that can take a toll. So, you know, I still get out of breath, obviously, and I'm quite fit. But, yeah, the uh, podcast episode about handler fitness um, may help you with that. You know, stuff that I do to keep fit for agility and that really helps you to be able to provide that motivational push around the course so I thought that was quite important before we end to uh to put in there but yeah that is the end of the episode um I hope that helped anyway that is um those are the tips that helped me and Arrow again it's it's dependent on you and your dog um as as a pair individually but yeah so I really hope you enjoyed that episode if you have any questions any concerns or struggling with anything in the department of dog nerves and confidence issues please do message me um I will put all my social medias here I think yeah um here yeah <laughs> I never remember where I put them on the screen 
but um i'll put them there and you can message me on any of those platforms um and ask my advice or just you know vent or describe your situation i'll try to help as much as i can uh yeah while these are here do follow me on all of these um i post pretty much well i do post pretty much daily um on stories and just posts in general i'm very active on all of those so give them a follow to keep up with me and my agility journey and my lovely little doggies and yeah i really hope you enjoyed the episode and i will see you guys next wednesday bye